We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to jump in and explore Stephen Posey's message from our May breakfast. As always, I have, well, not as always, sometimes he gets fired from the podcast and gets replaced by other people, but for the Come most on. part, I have Matt here today with with me. Matt, say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. I was I was here last month, so I'm not. It's not too far out since I was uh, asked to come back and join the team because I am the all star, of course, that brings that brings the championships. So of Ooh. course, yeah. So you're, no, it's so great you're, to you're hear. Pippin, great I'm to Jordan. You, and I like this. This is great. Yeah. Did you say I was Jordan and you're Pippin? Is that I what said you said? No, no. You're 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 Pippin. I'm Jordan. You'll get there. I, th- I think you got it. The other. I think you got it. Wrong. I'm Steph. You're Clay. Oh, man. For, for, for our younger Definitely. audience. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. That's where we're <laughs> not, at today. Not, not, a, not a big basketball fan. I think um, we ran out of I analogies am, after that. Uh, I am a big basketball fan. College basketball. Uh, Steph Clay. I'm aware of those. Uh, I've got my kids. They're always like telling me they're this guy and this guy and that guy. So I still recognize them. So okay. my ages from the NBA aren't, hasn't totally left me ancient yet. Fortunately, everybody still wants to be Michael Jordan. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think, I, I think people try to be a little edgy. I'm Kobe. You're Shaq. Oh, okay. Deep cut. A little better. Deep cut. A little, little better. That's a good deep cut. That's my era right there. I was, I, that was about when I was ending. That's when it was uh, winding down for me. Yeah. So, well, did you uh, did you want to talk about Jesus today, or you just uh, want to stick with the the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was I think it was just more about the teamwork that we that we the uh, the chemistry that we have here. But that's cool. We can talk about Jesus too. I think that's a good part about it. I, I I would really like to talk about talking to Jesus if we can do that because I think that's probably more of a more in line with what Stephen was talking about. So let's jump into it. The uh, the old uh, Stephen Posey, man. It was awesome to hear from him. Sounds like things are going well. I think things are going well in California. It's, it sounded like that. I, I didn't necessarily hear like it's horrible. He, he didn't recommend people go do what he's doing. So that's where I was kind of like a little torn. Like, you know, right. it sounds like things are great. But then he also said he was like suffering for Jesus in California, which I was like, suffering okay, well, you know, Jesus. I think that uh, if there's a place to suffer for Jesus, San, Ber- San Bernardino, is that where he was? Is that where he's at? One of those. Either either way, he's uh he's out there pastoring a church, and uh, he I think he called it a church restoration project, which is uh you know I'm, we're really excited for him, real happy for him. But it was good to have him back. I did I did want to kind of key in on on one thing that he he got actually started out with, which led really well into what we talked about last month with with Gabe, which was the questions, the question part that I I kind of talked about before. Yeah, which God will bring you questions to discern with your community. And I I was talking last month about how Gabe, all of the really important uh, transitions in his life or seasons in his life, I feel like were prompted by questions. And so I I tried to tune in as much to those as I possibly could. So I love that Stephen brought that up in the beginning, talking about his life journey and the things he was doing. For me, those are clues in terms of uh, you know, how God communicates and especially like in our own walk, like I want to, I want to highlight those because I think I need to be reminded of them. And, and hopefully the brotherhood needs to be reminded of them too. Is just, you know, when you're, you're in those situations, you, you know, that there's a good, not a good, you, you know, that there's a major decision coming up or, 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 or the Holy Spirit's leading you in a certain direction. And I think a lot of times we, we want to, hear from God or we, we hear about instances where people have heard from God or trying to find ourselves in the center of his purpose. And I think a lot of that is that prompting questions that, that he'll give you. Stephen says he, he doesn't, the Holy Spirit often doesn't give you an answer. He gives you a question. And at that point, that's something that you need to work through with your community. I'm going to replace the word community with brotherhood because I think that's that community that we want to intentionally put ourselves into people that know us, people that we're vulnerable with people that we have relationship with that know us and we know them. And so when we can talk through those, 
those questions that we have, not in the sense of like, I don't like, I need an answer, but more along the lines of like, what, like, how do I get to that discerning moment where I'm able to make a decision on that question? Should I go? Should I stay? Should I take this job? Should I, should I not take this job? Should I start a business? Should I not start a business? Should I get my windows clean? Should I not get my windows clean? So it's, it's a yes, lot of those like yes really, that, really, really heavy life <laughs> questions <laughs> to use your brotherhood to do that. So anyway, I didn't have too many points on that cause he only briefly touched on it, but I did want to highlight it because I was, I was really intrigued that it just, it just naturally carried through, which I thought was really awesome. Yeah, no, I love that each year. It seems like there's a theme that whether we find the theme or the theme just happens to be what God is saying to you and I, maybe everybody else is like, Oh, I didn't see that at all, but it seems like there's a theme each year and people just follow that flow and not all speakers hit it, but a lot of speakers end up touching on it and, Boy, that theme of identity, the question you ask God, I mean, there's a huge, huge things going on in our society and in our own personal lives, the church, all the, in our own little community. So yeah, I think, uh, great thoughts. Yeah. So use those questions to find your place in God's purpose. And I think that, you know, especially when, when Gabe talked about it, even going into identity, God, who am I, who did you create me to be? Like, those are some really good questions to ask yourself to kind of tee yourself up for, you know, further in. Now, the next part of that is, uh, is, is prayer, which is that closeness to God, that conversation with God, which I think that that's a big part of that too. But, uh, yeah, it's, he kind of, he led in with a story. Like, so he kind of gripped you with this like hospital scene, which, I was like, okay, yeah. where are we going with this? Yeah, a little, little, went a little dark in the morning. But uh, I think the main thing that I got out of it, and the, I think our mountain men guys will get a big kick out of this, is uh, I think it sounds like the Truth Hill almost killed somebody. And that's, that's, I, that's exactly scary. what that sounded like. I, I walked away from that being like, oh, man, that's, uh, uh, that's intense. I, I walked away thinking, how have I not heard that story? Are they keeping yeah. this under wraps? Like, I feel like maybe there's a little like bit of a seems like something you would share, in, in like place. a disclaimer. This hill has almost taken lives, literally almost <laughs> taken lives. Had it not been for prayer, yeah, uh, it was, you know, that could have been it. I mean, what, what about the timing of that? Like, that just, that's almost movie star story. Like, you're going up the hill. Denying Jesus. I mean, that's the phrase he said. Denying Jesus. You come down the hill and you get a come to Jesus event in your life. Oh, there we go. Okay. Boy, that's tough. But, well, and maybe, maybe from a question standpoint, he he said something to the effect. uh, I think the question was, I just don't think you have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian. I think it was was a statement, but it feels like a question too is like, do you need to believe in Jesus to be a Christian? And so I think from my perspective, yes, I'm, I'm not quite sure what yours would be, but from my perspective, a yes on that one. Well, so, but, a, but, <laughs> but, but a little bit. No, nah, I, I mean, you know my perspective. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I do. I did. I do. Jesus but, and Christianity are kind of synonymous. So, so, but to me, that creates a bigger question of, and, and I, I don't know if we want to go fully down this path, but, you take Jesus out of the equation, like, what's the point of being a Christian? Like, I feel like that's the bigger question, right? Is it just morals, like having good morals? Is it just living a good life? Like, that's, I don't know, I, I would have I would have been really intrigued to, to dig a little bit deeper in, into that part of the conversation, because, like, I feel like there is, like, you somebody who follows Christ would call that a Christian, and then you have, like, Christianity, which is like a, I would say like religion way of life or whatever else. But then I feel like a lot of times we kind of circle back to like, well, I'm a follower of Christ. And so you get kind of put into this category. I feel like Christian becomes a category at that point. So it's like, well, do you like the idea of like the Christian category, but not necessarily or Christianity category, but not necessarily like the whole God part in that whole thing. And I don't know. It's, I feel like that's where some of the questions that you can ask yourself and you can ask people in that community, which not to a challenge your faith type of thing, but like really dig into like, okay, like why, like where, where are we going with this? Cause uh, I'm, I'm really curious to hear. And I don't think that asking those questions is a bad thing. I think it's good because in some capacity, I think when you ask those questions, it helps you dig a little bit de- deeper into that pursuit of Christ. And I think some of that can be questions that you ask God through prayer and, uh, and then ultimately discern through a brotherhood through, through community. 
Am I, am I stretching that too far? Or? No, I actually wrote that down when I was listening to it earlier this morning, trying to get ready for this podcast. I we were, He was back in the mode of Peter asking questions. You know, he made that kind of, he showed us a very unique perspective on prayer from the Bible. Even Lee mentions it at the breakfast that this is not a typical prayer passage. It's the conversation right before Jesus is crucified, right before when he kind of outs his betrayer as Judas. And Peter, I, I wrote, Peter was bold enough to ask hard questions. And since we're yeah. in the world of framing this as prayer, like I thought it was brilliant to show Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Jesus answered. And then he says later, what you ask, I will answer. And we talk about in prayer a lot that prayer is getting responses. You know, uh, I was listening to somebody on prayer just recently, uh, Pastor uh, OG, Pastor Willie George, and he was talking about if your prayer life is not a lot of listening, then you're missing out. And when you frame the idea of I ask a question and then I listen to the answer, that is that back and forth dialogue of prayer. And I wrote down Peter was bold enough to ask hard questions. Have you tried to conceptualize that conversation ever? Like we read the Bible and because we grew up Sunday school and it gets done in with cartoons and it's always these, these stories are talked about it's over and over little, and over and over. The little felt cutouts. It's like, Oh, yes, yes. Here. All that yeah. stuff. It's like it, they just kind, kind of, of like wiggle G- Judas out of the room. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Jesus so, is going to go pay for something. It, it, it inoculates it a little bit, but I've read this passage a number of times. Try to put myself in a space where the guy you believe the Messiah is sitting there talking to you. And then he tells you somebody of your group is going to betray him. Mm-hmm. Just stop right there. That's already mind blowing. That is like, you got to be kidding me. Who is it? Like what's going through your mind? And then he tells you and he says, the guy's going to dip the bread in the cup after me. And then I saw a recreation of this, or I've seen a couple of these. And they make that very literal. I I don't have any other way to take it. I'm not a th- theologian, but... And Judas then sticks his bread in the cup right after him. Like, if I'm Judas and I've already decided that I'm going to betray the Messiah or the person whom I don't believe is the Messiah anymore, and I'm going to betray him, why am I outing myself so quickly? It would seem like, and maybe this is just my own character, but I would yeah. be like, I've already gone this far. No reason just to put it out there. Just pull that bread back. But he doesn't. He's with just like bold, brash actions. Puts his bread in that cup. And then the rest of the guys are like, nothing said. It's just like, are they just a gas? Are they just dumbfounded? And then Judas just leaves. Like, Jesus is like, all right, Judas, go do it. Yeah. I, that I whole think, thing blows I, my I mind. I think how I read it is a little bit different. Um, and so I haven't seen the depictions that you have, but I actually went through and read that entire chapter. And there was a couple of things uh, about it, first of all. Like, right before all this, Jesus, so he knows that he's going to be betrayed. Like, it kind of calls that out. And then he washes all of the disciples' feet, including Judas's feet. So yeah. Ju- Judas is still there at that time. So that one's a little tough for me to... To, to process it's like i'm gonna wash the i'm gonna be a servant to a person that i know that's gonna betray me and send me to the cross now god also knows jesus also knows that you know this this needs to happen regardless so maybe he has a little bit of you know mercy there and and uh you know is is treat is, is modeling something there but man that's that's a pretty tough thing like i have i don't i wouldn't say i have enemies but there's definitely people that i i struggle to get along with i guess is a good way to, to call it and it Knowing that, and Jesus is still demonstrating his love, even for somebody who's going to betray him. That's that's a that's a huge demonstration of love all the way to the cross. I mean, Jesus died for Judas, so like he he dies for everybody's sins. Like he's no selector selector of persons in that regard. So so that kind of happens. But I I think the other part of that the the way that I read it was like Jesus kind of talking, and then I think he even Stephen kind of described it as like. There was somebody close to Jesus, and 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 Peter was like curious, like so he had that that uncertainty of, of what was going on. So it created a boldness in him, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask God about it." So he kind of nudges the guy next to him. He's like, "Hey, ask Jesus who it is." So I I think the way that I read it was this guy 
or Peter nudges whoever it was. I can't remember who was close to God. I think it's John. John. He, he nudges John. He's like, hey, ask, ask him who it is. And so John's like, hey, hey, Jesus, who is it? And Jesus like, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I don't think he's like standing at a pulpit, like broadcasting this. I think it's more of like they're just kind of sitting together on a, for lack of a better term, a couch. And so he's like, it, yeah. it's going to be the one that, you know, dips the bread and that, that kind of stuff. And so he kind of does it. But I don't think Judas is like clued into this. And if you if you read a little bit more, it says like once Judas does that, like Satan came upon him, I think is essentially like how it happens. And that's like kind of what triggers it. And, and Judas goes out. So I don't know that leading up to it, depending on how you interpret all this, uh, I, I encourage you to, to reread it and and give me your thoughts. But I feel like the way that I read it was Judas is kind of just like some dude. And uh, Jesus knows that, you know, Judas is the guy that's been selected to do this. And at that point, he creates the opportunity and basically says, all right, this is the guy that's going to betray me. And Jesus sets it into motion as opposed to, uh, you know, Judas has been plotting this whole time. Cause I don't, I don't, the way I read it, I don't think Judas was, I think Judas was essentially activated to, to carry out God's will in that thing. So that's, I don't know. I just read that a little bit different, but I don't think it's a big, you know, I'm standing up here and like Judas is the one who's going to betray me. And everybody's like shocked. I, I didn't, I didn't read it that way. It was a little bit different. So you're saying maybe it's like a side conversation going on. Yeah. Yeah. They were just and... kind of like, because hmm. that's interesting because john was close and he was just like hey like well here i'll, I'll tell you but i'm not telling everybody and, it, and then it goes on because later on in the verse it says judas left and everybody thought judas was leaving because he was a the he was the money guy and, and so they thought he was sending him off to go pay for some stuff and so that's why judas leaves and that's why it doesn't like create a commotion or whatever else so i, I think it was just kind of this very small conversation thing instead of a, everybody heard what Jesus was saying at all times t- type of deal. So okay. it, it was, so. it was interesting. interesting. Um, but yeah, the, I think the, the big part that Stephen's kind of pointing to is like his, his kind of three point message, which is that, uh, that uncertainty part. And that uncertainty is what causes you to speak up. It gives you that boldness and that creates that, question where you're going to say, okay, God, like I need to pursue you on this. Cause I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like is it, for Peter, it was, is it me? Right? Like that was his biggest concern is like, Hey, am I the guy that's going to be betray you? Like, I don't, I love you, Jesus. Like, and, and he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, vocal about, you know, how, how he loved Jesus and whatever else. And so in, in that regard, he was, he was concerned about it, but at the same time, I, I think he wanted just like one up everybody and just, and be like, of course, God, like I'm Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to you. In, in fact, like I'll follow you and I'll do whatever else. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you're actually going to deny me. And it kind of, kind of points him back and says like, Hey, yeah, to say it is one thing, but walking it out is a completely different situation. And I think Jesus ultimately proves that, but that uncertainty that prompts you is I, I think that's the clue. I think that's the, thing where it's like, all right, God, when do we pray? Like there's, there's a schedule of prayer, like morning, afternoon, and night, like you can have that, you can have devotional time, you can have those things. But I think the question that Stephen's really answering is like, when should we pray? When should we pursue Christ in different things? And I think the trigger would be when you sense uncertainty, that's when you should speak up. That's when you should include God in that conversation, include him in your walk. Um, Cause he says kind of before that a lot of guys, even through mountain men and whatever else, they just, they really don't have good prayer lives. And, and so I think the question is, is like, all right, why don't we have good prayer lives? So I think part of it is because we're not in a situation of uncertainty going, oh, this is when I should pray. We're going, I'm going to put this on my shoulder. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to try to do it myself. And we're leaving God out of it. And then when we can't handle it, then we go to God and go, oh, like, God, I need you in this. And God's like, well, hey, maybe if you had noticed the uncertainty, that's when you should have pursued me. And so yeah. I think that was really kind of a, a, a really good clue of a starting point. It's like, hey, when should I include God in prayer? When should I have these conversations with him? It's when I feel that uncertainty, that's when I need to speak up. So that fits right into how I've always pictured this with Peter. I think it's an odd question to ask, is it me, if you're confident, if you've never considered that it could be you? I wonder if, and this is not anywhere 
in the Bible, but in my own life, when I look at God's God bringing things to my attention, little things in my character, big things in my character, uh, things that are habits, things that are issues, things that are even unknown to me, God nudges me and he's like, Hey, what about this? And I get that thought and it kind of creates this space for dialogue the uncertainty you're talking about that I need to start having because a big fall is coming. I say a big fall because I'm thinking of Peter. Obviously Peter gets grandstanded. He's now in the Bible, like the whole thing, you know, he gets told about all the time. So he has to mm -hmm. live with that. I don't have that. Um, I get it. That, you're Peter. You're Peter. I'm John. It's cool. Listen. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that, there you go. All right. Well, I can't, I can't go an hour. I can't go an hour without <laughs> it. So, well, who would I might have think that I could go at least one opinion without some side? Well, anyway, <laughs> I wonder if Peter was a little insecure about his own challenges because these guys would have had situations where Jesus wasn't around. It's real easy to be the big boy, the man, if you will, when Jesus is around. Yeah. But like when they went out two by two, Jesus wasn't around. When Peter's just doing his daily stuff, you know, I, I guess they were with him all the time. I'm sure there were times where he wasn't. I wonder, was he in the marketplace buying oranges, buying bananas one day? And someone's like, hey, you're Peter. And he's trying to play it off because he doesn't want to deal with the awkwardness that day. He just kind of wants to be anonymous, kind of be hidden. He doesn't want to deal with those things that day. So I wonder then if I'm that guy and I hear somebody's going to betray him, I'm a little, that little insecurity is pricked. And I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. He, has Jesus been seeing me, you know, not talking, not wanting to witness, not like, is, is that what's going on here? And I sometimes wonder if that didn't prick. Also, the fact that it was a big fall later on, like he's, he denies it. Like anytime, me personally, and generally I think this about people too, anytime they're like, no, never, not 100%, that would never happen. Anytime they take this huge emotional position, I'm always like, mm, be careful. And anytime I've done it, I find myself tripping up later because yeah. truth be told is I'm trying to cover something up, I'm trying to cover up this, there you go. Um, this fear that people see me who I really am. So I use my emotional stance to kind of cover it. And what that does is just sets me up. Probably goes before the fall that sets me up for later it to kind of be open. When, if you're just transparent, you're like, yeah, I deal with that. That's for real. I've never had personally, I've never had a big fall in front of people when I've already been transparent before. And I think Jesus talks about it when he talks about in Matthew, how to deal with confrontation. And he says, Hey, first you got, you go to them individually. Then he says, then you go to them with some friends. Then it goes before the church. I personally think Jesus does the same thing. He deals with us inside, then bigger, then bigger. So that all leads me to the conclusion that Peter, although we used him as an example of responding to uncertainty here, Mm -hmm. there's some spaces in his life where he, maybe he should have been having a conversation. Now, of course, we don't know what we can't fathom prayer without Jesus. And they didn't necessarily have the Holy spirit. So it's a whole nother level. I'm not here to blame Peter by no means. He was in a different situation for sure. But in my own life, I think I got to start that uncertainty quick. I had a conversation years ago with a guy and he, he was like, man, I find myself, trying to avoid prayer when I know I'm in the wrong. Mm. And I thought, oh, wow, that is a habit right there. That is something I want to fashion a different culture in my life. I was early saved, early following Jesus. So I started to fashion a culture like try to in my life. When things are looming, I'm like, Lord, here we are in that situation again. And I did not handle it well last time. You know, it's highly likely I'm going to have to have this conversation with my wife and I'm going to be mad. And I'm going to want to yell and be rude and all those temptations that I've, I've, I don't do anymore. It was decades ago that I had those issues and those problems. I, I know you probably have to deal with that, but I've overcome it. <laughs> never do I yell. Never do I uh, get angry for reasons I shouldn't, but. Yeah, I don't. I, I noticed that little jab. Just, I just want to, just acknowledge it. What are you it talking about? Slight jab, slight jab. No, 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 no jabs. <laughs> just truth and transparency around here. So, anyway, yeah, that uncertainty. That's the time to pray. I mean, that's. It reminded me, man, when you feel that just moment, 
Don't let your pride stop you. Get right in there. Be like, all right, Lord, this is this is looking like something I'm going to have to face. What do I do here? What what yeah. goes on? Well, I think you kind of outlined the, the two responses to that uncertainty is, is one, you can hide in it, which it sounds like you had a, an acquaintance, we'll, we'll call him Schmatt, that, that acquaintance <laughs> that, that, that would always, you know, say, you know, I'm, I'm not prompted to pray, pray for that. And then, you know, the other side of it, which was Peter, which he didn't hide in that insecurity. He, he spoke up and he, he, he pursued Christ because he knew in that relationship with Christ that Christ would give him the answers and, and Christ did. So in that regard, I think that's essentially Stephen's point is, is a couple of things. One, you really can't hide from it. So if we're speaking to Schmatt, it's like, hey, man, you're just you're delaying the inevitable and you're probably making it worse than it probably is. On the other side of that, if you pursue Christ and you and you ask those questions, don't hide in that insecurity, you're going to get the answers, you're going to get the response. I think in some cases, maybe Peter had some blind spots. So he was hoping maybe that he just didn't acknowledge it. But I, I think you're probably more onto it. There was probably some doubt in his heart and he was trying to overcome that with his words and his actions and try to kind of put it on display. I'm sure there was a little bit of a... Uh, you know, teacher's pet type of approach that he had there where he's just like, I do believe this is the son of God. And I I do believe he's the Messiah and we're following him and we're doing all this other stuff. He's like, I want to be, I want to be in his really good graces. I want to be the A plus student in this situation. So I'm going to say all the big, all the right things and put it all out there. So there's no question about it. And he got, he got kind of caught up in it. And you know, that's the cool thing about the Bible is it, it doesn't like, we know that Jesus is, we know Jesus' story throughout all of this. So, like, we're watching that judging the uh, the uh, disciples going, you idiots. You're, you're, you're this, why are you denying Christ? Like, he's going to raise from the dead. Like, you he know did, he's coming know back. That. Yeah, you, we, we know he's coming back. I can't believe you. But on the other side of it, like, yeah, I, I think it, it does help to look at their circumstances and what they already knew in that. And then overlay that with, there's we're they're still human we're human and so our responses are are probably going to be a little bit different and and there is going to be that doubt that creeps in i mean they're close to jesus they're watching him heal people they're they're hearing all the things that he's saying they've 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 witnessed so much and yet doubt still comes in and so i think that's all the way up into the point like really pivotal points in in christ's uh life that he's talking about and 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 saying what's going to happen. And he, they know all this. And he has even said multiple times, I believe at this point, that, he, well, he says a little bit later on, I think it was right, right after he watched, watched his feet, he's like, where I'm going, you, you're not going. You guys can't come with me. He's like, but you know, I'm, I'm doing these things, and I will come back, and all this other stuff. So they know it. And even on the other side, like I, I think it's Pastor George has, has said something to the effect of, like if if they were were truly dialed into everything Jesus was saying, why did they not have lawn chairs sitting out in front of the, the tomb, right? Like why not just hang out there and be like, hey, all right, he said he's coming back in three days, so we're just gonna hang out here. I'm gonna have a front row seat to this. This is gonna be awesome. Nobody was there. <laughs> Nobody was there. So they, I mean, that's that's the thing that we we know how the story goes, and so we're, our expectation is that. But there's a human element to that, to where they're. They're dealing with all of this stuff, and it was their life continued on for them after Jesus died, and they were really faced with what do I really believe? Is, was all these circumstances orchestrated to make me believe this way, or is Jesus really the Messiah? And they had to deal with it. And Peter, Peter had his doubts, I'm sure too. And with with them in that situation, I think there's probably some grace that we need to give them. Um, but the cool thing is, the Bible puts it out in such a way that you know, us being unperfect people that live imperfect lives can relate to some of the things that they're, they're, they're doing. And I think it is good to overlay our own personal experience on that because, uh, I have a little bit more compassion for Peter through all this. Cause I would probably, I don't know that I would do all the same things, but I can definitely relate to some of the things that he did and some of the things that he said. Man, ain't that the truth? Yeah. The, the disciples, particularly the ones that get highlighted, have a lot of very relatable human traits that grateful to God that he left that, that part in there because that those generally don't get told uh, when humans tell it. 
Mm-hmm. When humans tell the version. But I guess, truth be told, uh, I mean, John was led by the Holy Spirit when he was uh, writing this. Of course, John was his own, you know, he's always pubbing himself like you are as the disciple that Jesus loves, you know. So I guess it's still got some humanity in there. <laughs> A little bit of humanity. I think I think bit. that's it's human nature for sure. So all right, so that so so point number one, speak up, use that uncertainty as essentially that trigger to recognize, hey, you know, I need to I need to invite God into this. And I think the other part of it was so his point was do the next right thing, being faithful. But I, I do think that some of the things that that he talked about before then kind of play into kind of play into the the important parts of like this this progression right so he really what happens is he's just starting to talk to god so i i think that sometimes we get in our mind that prayer has to be this king james language that we have to speak and we have we have to you know talk in a certain way and, and whatever else and i think Stephen even kind of expresses it in, in terms of like using other people's prayers and, and talking about um like the, even the Lord's prayer, how it's modeled for us that like, that's still prayer and that, and, and those prayers work. And those are things that we can say until we get to a point where we can kind of have our own things. I know pastor George has talked about the structure of that prayer in terms of like looking at what's said, not necessarily the words themselves. Like we don't have to say that over and over again, but the structure of that prayer is a, is really more of the, the outline for how we pray. But I think at this, in the same time, I, I think it's important to recognize that even when, Stephen's buddy said, pray, man, that gave Stephen permission to pray for his friend. And in that act, it was a, an act of prayer itself too. And so I, I, I want to kind of pull back maybe some of our pre, preconceived notions of what a, a prayer should be. It's, it's not like we're writing a letter, like dear Jesus, like how, how a lot of times we'll, we'll start a prayer. It's more of that conversation with God. There's some questions that we ask and there's also, um, you know, uh, creating space for a response and creating space for him to, to lead us and guide us or point us in a, in, a, in, a, in a direction. But the faithfulness part of that is to start talking and knowing the power of prayer and and recognizing in this situation he was overwhelmed, so he didn't know what to do, but he stayed faithful, he pursued Christ, and invited heaven onto earth and by doing so that faithfulness and constantly looking for essentially what we can do next life goes on you need to continue things but continually prayer and continue to invite christ into that yeah that's huge i mean and that's a great way to say it yeah i love the phrasing inviting christ into it i think it speaks through the kind of murk and mire of christian culture and how they approach prayer and the words we use for it the I love the fact that this works so well as a prayer teaching passage because Jesus responds every single time. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Jesus answered. And that's when you bring God into a conversation with the with the things you're facing, you do get answers. And I've, I've been thinking about that since really the breakfast, knowing that this conversation was upcoming. Because the contrast in my life is Jesus is not physically there and I don't have a physical voice. And my brain wants to tell me, well, that would be different. You know, that would make it easier to ask questions. It would make it easier to hear answers. But if I look at it with and consider a different point of view, Peter has a similar conversation as I would even hear it, hearing it in my spirit. It's probably a little more, I mean, I I guess I assume it's a little more difficult differentiating what's because I have to differentiate what's in my spirit and what's my emotions, what's my brain, what are all the different perspectives that can speak in my thoughts when Jesus answers, except for I do have a good confidence that when I get an answer and it's usually less of an answer, more of a direction from uh, the Holy Spirit, I have a confidence like, okay, that's definitely a direction that God is leading me to go. Of course, there's times where I'm like, okay, mm, I guess not. I guess 
you know, that was my own perspective. But it becomes not trial and error, but a constant walk, which is relationship. You know, that's it's a constant walk. Anybody you're in relationship with, you hear things differently the you know, the third, fourth, fifth time that you hear something from somebody or the perspective they share as you did the first time. Because you've gotten to know them better. You know their history. You know where they're coming from. You know what things they've done that maybe uh, work against the negative perspective you might have if they've done a number of positive things that are associated with that belief. So as this back and forth happens, I start to reflect in my own life and think, okay, the... Jesus is answering each time, sometimes with things I want to hear, some things, sometimes with things I don't want to hear, but there are answers coming. I've just got to be there to listen and be willing to hear them. Yeah. I, one of the quotes that he put up was a quote from Dallas Woodward, Willard? Mm-hmm. Dallas Willard. It says, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he is doing anyway. Our request, our requests really do make a difference in what God does or doesn't do. Yeah. So that one was, he kind of blazed through those pretty fast, but I feel like the weight of that is, is interesting. And it, it, it ties a little bit too into the, the purpose of prayer. Cause I, I think, I think it would be a interesting concept to understand when it's like, all right, God has a purpose. He has a will for us and he has a plan in place. And he's going to operate in that plan regardless of, regardless, because he's God. But in the same part of that, what Dallas is saying is that our our prayers actually impact that will. It it impacts what God is doing in our lives. So it, that one's a little that one's a little hard for me to completely understand from a God being God thing and us being a created being asking God for something. God has a plan for us. Does that mean that God would answer a prayer that isn't necessarily in our best interest? Uh, those are very hard questions. Those are, I mean, the Christian side of you, side of me, was says, no, he wouldn't do that. I don't think he would. I think that, you know, I, I think that's, I think what comes to mind is when James says you ask and you ask amiss, your prayers aren't answered because you ask amiss. Mm-hmm. And initially that falls into that category. I think in that same world, it's hard to understand that me asking. So like if I walked into your house, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so thirsty. Or you could see I'd just gotten in from, you know, a hot day or whatever are the way things work in our life is you would be like, Hey man, you want to drink of water? You wouldn't be over there like arms folded. Well, I guess maybe you would, but the normal <laughs> friend of mine, I fold, no, I fold arms. There's, there's nothing wrong with folding arms. It doesn't mean that I'm denying <laughs> you water. Not every pair of pants I own has pockets. I got to do something with them. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so you just fold your arms. All right. Just yeah. Well, listen, no, I might not, need a course on I'm body not folding them like I'm, I'm in a casket. I'm I'm folding them like just you know, like I'm just like cold. I don't want to do. It could what be cold in the do. building. Yeah, yeah, you said you fine. came in from a hot day. Listen, it's cold in here, so I'm trying to keep warm. It's cold. I'm not denying you a drink of water. Jeez. Wow. But that's what we think. Because we think, why wouldn't Jesus just offer? Hey, you need your rent paid. Would you like some money for your rent? Mm-hmm. But that's not how. God, your relationship with God works. And really, there's a higher level of relationship there that we can go into, I'm sure. But from a prayer sense, you have heard it described as a legal situation as well. God can't move on our behalf unless we ask. You know, when we're asking, typically, or the way Jesus posed it, how we're taught is that you're asking in his name, so under his will. So you're asking things. So if you are asking things out of his interest or out of your best interest, you know, is that in his name? Those are hard theology questions. I don't think they're that hard. I know what I think. I think there are peculiar theology questions. The, I get caught up. I was going into it on the deal of, you know, we have to ask and that's, 
and I guess, I mean, but I guess it does prevent you from, he is still Lord. So if you take it to the passage we're in, if Peter doesn't ask, Jesus never is inclined to tell him that it's Judas or the one who dips in after him. And that wouldn't necessarily be Jesus's fault. And it would be Jesus's prerogative to not answer or to not offer up information. And then if you take the perspective you had that it's a side convo, then he only answers. I mean, I don't know if that's right or not, but in that world, he only answers the two guys who asks John being because he asked via Peter. So then you got two people only asking the rest of the 10 didn't necessarily ask that. Mm-hmm. So he didn't answer it, but he had the information. So there's a lot that goes into it play. And maybe it's just, if you take away the whole God can't intervene in our lives unless we ask him because of the devil has a lease on this earth, whatever your theology perspective of that is. But if you take away that, I don't like, people like to do use your kids as examples on this. And this is true. This is a good one. There's never a time where I'm like, no, I'm not feeding you lunch. I'm not feeding you snack time. But I will tell you, Evan, I don't have snack during the day. I don't have a 10 o'clock, 1030 snack. Like that doesn't happen in my life. So when I'm in charge of the kids, snack time doesn't even exist in my head. Like it's not that I don't want them to have a snack. It's not that I'm like, no, you can't have cheese or whatever. I just don't think about it because I don't live in a world where you have a 1030 snack. My wife, however, lives in a world where there's a 1030 snack. So she's always like, you have not fed them snack? I'm like, no, (laughs) grown people don't eat snacks. So, but if they ask me, if they come to me and they're like, dad, can we have snack? I'm always like, yeah, why not? Let's do that. Let's have a snack. What do we have? An apple, cheese, you know, Cheez-Its. What are we, what is it? So there's no will in my, in my soul or my head that doesn't want them to have a snack. I want them to have a snack. Sometimes it's not even that I've forgotten about it. It's not like I, it's, I know snack exists. I just don't know if they want it. And I don't consider that it's 1030 and they usually have a snack. So I, I try to think of myself like that with God, like, okay, so for in human terms, God's not up there with his arms folded, waiting for me to ask, tapping his foot. Hey, look, you know, I'm Lord. Come ask me. Although he would deserve that. And it's not even where he's forgotten that I need something. He knows what we need. The Bible says that. It's more of the asking initiates the process heavenly. He doesn't have a mind like me. It's initiating a thought process with me of like, oh, yeah, it's 1030. Let's do snack. I got the kids today. That kind of thing. With him, maybe it's a heavenly process that I would be unaware of how to liken that to a thought process. He doesn't have a thought. But it, it may be that it initiates a heavenly process whereby that is what opens the channel for him to answer those requests, answer those questions we have. And let's take it to real life. Speak to the uncertainty that we're in because that's really where we need it from a living a holy life standpoint because it's that uncertainty in my identity. It's the question I'm asking, either knowingly asking or not knowingly asking that puts me in a place of needing to pray. So I know that's a lot of me just kind of navigating things out loud, but that's, that's where I think that uncertainty comes into play to try to button that up. But, um, God knows what you need. You still have to ask. I think, you know, I think he knows what you need. I think there's different kind of questions and there are di- different kind of answers too. So I think it's, I don't know that it's uh it's like, I'm always asking for God to give me something. And in this instance, God was giving him essentially a response of it's going to, it's Judas. Like he's basically like telling you who it is, but it's not like they got anything out of that. It's not like they had to receive anything other than just like confirmation of it. So I think that there is probably a much deeper dive in, ter- in terms of the kind of questions that we ask God, as well as the kind of answers that he gives us. And maybe the answers he gives are, are, are answers that like we don't understand yet. And and so we look at them and be like, 
what, what are you telling me this for? And over time, you, you kind of come to that revelation of, of what that really is. It's That's the hard part. It's like, you know, we're we're in this situation where we have an infinite God who's a creator, who created us as beings with capacity and and in his own image. And so we have kind of this mentality that we can ultimately relate to God and and understand him. But in reality, he had to put himself in a human form so we could even just possibly understand him and possibly compre- comprehend who he is. And so it's it, it puts us in this weird, weird place where that pursuit, I think, is what following Christ looks like and that relationship and that's that closeness. And I don't know that we'll ever fully understand until we're we're there with him. So I, I think that that's potentially why from a Christianity standpoint we're we're put in a, a position where it's like you know, I, I don't understand Christians, uh, and and we're trying to encapsulate it in this entire thing. But ultimately, we're we're just pursuing Christ, and we're trying to have that relationship. We're trying to have that closeness. We're trying to be faithful. We're human. We screw up, and for us, the 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 journey of following Christ and that pursuit of that relationship reveals more and more to us. But I would say, even and there's not levels of Christian that I know of, unless unless there's like something that I've missed. But there's not like levels of Christianity or levels like a a, a, p- a place that you can get. But I will say that I, I w- there are people that probably have closer walks with with God and, and closer relationships than even I do at my point. And some of that could just be, you know, the the years that they've followed God and pursued the Bible and studying scriptures. And some of them could be very, you know, intellectual in terms of like the the doctrine of the Bible and, and everything that goes in those regards. But those people still make dumb decisions and those people still uh, don't trust God and probably don't pray to God when they should. And I think that for me, it's recognizing that through prayer, that's really all that God's asking me to do. He's asking me to include him in the conversation, to reach out to him. He will be faithful. He He's instructing us to, you know, if you, if you ask something in my name, you'll receive it. And, the simplistic part of that is something that I think we all agree. And I think this is really Stephen's big point is it's something that we all agree that we need to do. And, and God has given the, this, he, he originally said that this is something that's so familiar to us. It could be forgotten and because it's like, we don't always want to talk about prayer, but we recognize its importance. And we recognize that this is an opportunity. This is a tool that God's given us to build relationship with, with him and we still don't use it, and we still don't pursue it. And, then, and a lot of times we just need to be reminded the power that it has from, from a belief standpoint. We look at, you know, I believe in God. I believe he died for my sins, but I don't talk to him very often. He's literally told me this is so – I, so I believe in the, his death and rex, resurrection, but when he talks about prayer, I'm like, okay, I'll take it or leave it. Like it's not, it's not necessarily something that I'm going to pursue there. I think the Holy Spirit's another one of those things. I think even just the gospel and just talking about God in our daily lives. I, I feel like we segment those things sometimes where it's like we'll pick and choose the parts of the Bible that we want to pursue. We'll say, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, but Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, I'm going to I'm going to live a, a different life. Or this one is this one's one that's kind of struck me lately. It's like we sing these songs to God in praise and worship and you li- you literally listen to the words that we sing but we don't act those out. We don't have that same hunger. Or we look at the Psalms and, and, and some of the prayers that are in there, and yet we don't we don't have that same kind of relationship. I think for for me, that's an aspirational thing. It's like, man, I really do want to get to that point. I want to get to the point where, you know, I'm pouring my heart out to God, and, and whether it's from love or from lament or for, from just whether it's anger or frustration or just appreciation and thankfulness. Just all those things we we say we sing those songs and we say those things and we do not always walk it out, and so I think it's important for us to not get into the point where we're overlooking prayer and we're overlooking all the different things, uh, the goodness of God and, and and the tools that He gives us and then that potential relationship with Him, and we take it for granted because for whatever reason, I'm just, I'm talking from my perspective, I overlook it and I I don't know why. I think it's because my own pride gets in the way, my own selfishness, my own flesh gets in the way, and I'm more concerned about that that small, you know, that small moment where it's just like I'd rather pursue something for myself than something for God. 
and then we get away from it. But the beautiful thing about what Steven's talking about, he's like, he's just keeps pointing it back. You need to have that closeness. You need to have that relationship. Prayer is how you do that. Prayer, prayer is one of the tools that you have listening to God. Uh, and then understanding that your prayer does not have to be perfect. Your prayer does not have to be, you know, some King James language. It, it can literally be a conversation that's sparked by uncertainty that basically puts you in a position to pursue Christ and trust in him. And the more you do that, the, the closer you'll become. I, I think, uh, one of the points that he said at kind of in closing was a man of prayer becomes a man of God. And I think you become a man of God because of that closeness, because of that time and that relationship spent pursuing God and recognizing that I need to weave him into everything that I do. And that's how we get to that man of God status, that man of status. I don't think that's the right word. That man of God, uh, relationship. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Awesome, man. Well, uh, real quick before we close this thing out, I think it's important to recognize that our hundredth brotherhood breakfast is in June. So 100, they did not announce a speaker. I don't know who the speaker is unless you know, Matt. Uh, yeah. So it is a, a different format. It's going to be a bit of a, uh, okay. it's going to be kind of a party. So putting together some different, I mean, party is depends on how you think about that, but yeah, six forty-five a.m. party yeah, exactly. on a Friday. <laughs> it's yeah, gonna be real sure. lively. Um, <laughs> uh, breakfast, of course. They're gonna do that up special. Uh, there's gonna be some, just some uh, different guys, kind of a potpourri of guys talking about breakfast, the impact it's made. I think there's gonna be an interview with Mark and Johnny, who kicked this off originally. Okay. The OGs himself. Uh, there is a few other things they've got lined up. They're trying to stamp down to just make it fun and enjoyable. I know that looking forward, the big question is what is, what is it to be in a movement like this? You know, what is it Mm. to see God move and to be a part of it? And what's that look like for each of the people there individually who've, uh, decided they're going to start coming to the breakfast. And then what's that look like long-term in our lives? You know, it's less of a, woo, what, look what we did. We're so amazing. And more of a, what's it like when God steps in to do something special and moves you forward and you get to just be a part of it versus, you know, a celebration of something that somebody's accomplished. That's really not the aim. It's more how good God's been. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not an accomplish. I mean, it is like in in you know human terms, but ultimately there is a bigger yeah. picture. And I think we try to point back to that. I, I love that we try to point back to like a lot of people like comment on how much it's grown. And I, and in that regard, it's awesome that uh, you know we feel like we're a part of something. But man, to know what to do with it and and how that impacts our lives and how that can impact others, I think that's the the bigger picture. So I'm excited to kind of hear what they have to say about that. But it is a celebration of, you know, it's a, it's yeah, a milestone. And I think we should we should reflect back on part of that journey. And so that's awesome. So make sure that you're there. As far as I know, it, sh- it should still be the first Friday of the month. So make sure that you come check out that. And uh, Matt, hope to see you there. Hope, <laughs> yeah. hope that you can make it. So remember, brothers, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh...